0: Hi, Lynn Gilliland here, Lessons from Leaders. And on this podcast, we are with Shauna Bader Lau, who is the CEO for the Solidarity Center. And it's in this podcast, we talk about what she has learned from the pandemic and from the racial injustice. And she talks a lot about clinic, connectivity, how important that is. A second thing that we really w- touched on a lot is being uncomfortable and why that is so important right now to move into a a more just world Um, and how she talks about how empathy and listening are critical leadership skills or skills for anyone. It is a fascinating 20 minutes with Shauna and I really recommend it to you. So enjoy and leave us comments in the comment box. Thanks. So welcome. To Shauna and um, welcome to our podcast, Shauna. And I just said before we started that this, you have the best background of anyone. So um, everybody appreciate this beautiful fireplace she has in her background. But anyway, welcome Shauna to Lessons from Leaders. Well, Thanks for having me. And just to start out with how have you been, how are you doing? It's been a rough 12 months, almost 12 months. How are you and how is your organization doing?
1: Well, um, well, we're doing fine. I mean, I, I can't be anything but, um, you know, proud that we are healthy and my family is, is okay. Um, and I know that's not true for so many of the, our uh, fellow Americans and friends around the world. And so I, I feel enormously like blessed and privileged that we're okay. It's very stressful, <laughs> it's a very stressful time. And the country is just going through such a convulsion um uh that has been pretty you know i know traumatic for everyone it's certainly been deeply impactful over here
0: in our organization and in my my life for sure and so let's just get into it what are some of the things that you have learned through the pandemic through racial injustice the whole um arc that we've been going through what what have been some new learnings for you Well,
1: um, one thing I I definitely, you know, take a pause when you ask that and think about the first thing that really hits me is how important connection is. Mm. And, um, you know, not just to each other in our lives and our families, but also at work. You know, when you work in an organization that is like mission driven and movement oriented, you know we can spend a lot of time feeling like we're in a fight and we're in a struggle and the grind and we're going to keep going because we're up against power and we're up against you know anti-democratic forces and oppressive forces um and like being able to stop sometimes and have connection with your colleagues um and just take a moment to feel each other's um, vibe be aware of each other's heart, and and where each other are, you know, in this in their uh, lives, it, it just it's nourishing and humanizing, and it's really hard to do in this pandemic when we're all isolated. And so I think I've really learned like the importance of that kind of connection um, for colleagues at work, and we've tried to recreate that, you know, over the course of this um, nearly year that we've been all. Working remotely, but it, it it's something really special that we've had um,
0: in our organization that that I miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so is it that you knew the connection was important, or is it when the pandemic and we all got split apart that you realized connected being connected how important that was.
1: I've definitely felt it so much more now that we've been apart and we've mm-hmm. been working so hard to recreate, you know, interpersonal, um, connection, the chance to see each other, have people be seen and be heard, you know, and not isolated. Um, it, you know, it's really struck me the importance of being intentional about that, you know, since we've been
0: working this way. And is there a business case for being connected? I know we feel better. And is, what would the business case be?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's the business case and then there's the movement case, mm. you know, and they're, uh, you know, kind of converging <laughs> in our same direction. Um, you know, in the business case, um, you know, new entrants to the workforce, um, younger uh, up and coming, you know, um, leaders, um, new staff in general of any any part of their career, uh, don't have the ability, if you're onboarding, everyone's working from home, to have that informal interaction Mm -hmm. with their colleagues that they normally would that you don't even think about on a day-to-day basis when you're in the office. You know, you ask someone a question about something they've experienced before, and they tell you, you know, in the hallway or outside the bathroom or by their office, and you've, you've learned something, that that you've taken in and it's part of your growth you know and for the longer serving staff person it's part of their chance to mentor uh, someone else and those kind of serendipitous mentorship and learning opportunities you know um are really important for creativity for people's um, commitment uh to each other and to the work they're just gone right now i think the business case for being together physically includes things like that, you know, uh, professional development uh, also. From from a movement perspective, and we're, you know, we're connected to the labor movement, you know, our organizations in the labor movement, um, you know, we uh, we do um, read with our heart, not just our head. And, you know, we uh, are in solidarity with brothers and sisters all over the world in the labor movement and like our collective inability to be around each other physically and um kind of learn from each other and get energized from each other you know that's a big part of what drives our movement you know we encourage each other that way we we go out on the street and chant and we join each other's chants and cheers you know we take pictures of our colleagues, our friends, our brothers and sisters when they're on strike and we share them, you know, and we're there and we clap and we cheer for each other. And like, you know, in a pandemic, it's not safe to do most of those things (laughs) most of the time. And so we still feel it, you know, we still feel each other's struggles, but you know, there's a uh, uh, um, like an intangible uh, energy um, that, you know, uh, we miss. In a, in a time like this and, it, and it's a hard time i mean it's like people around the world the labor movements are i mean workers are getting laid off by the millions all over the world you know it's a really hard time for people and um you know there's like governments like crushing rights and we have like a massive rise in global authoritarianism right now like taking advantage of the pandemic to like smash people's rights to speak and assemble and um you know organize and like you know, we are there for each other, and we find every way we can be through Zoom and phone calls and every internet like connectivity we can, um, you know. But it's it's a it's a hard time, and it's nice when you can also hug someone at the end, you know.
0: That I, I did not um, I did not realize how much I would cherish a hug, any any hug. I, it's really such a and the connectivity also you know what i like about that is i can see that so now with the pandemic how important that is and i think it wasn't pulled up and highlighted at least for me until the pandemic that's been one of the gifts that we've seen when we miss it then we go oh man that was that was so important Mm -hmm. um it reminds me of the inauguration. I've only been to before this this year's inauguration. I've only been to one other inauguration because they always seem boring to me. I went to um, President Obama's first one. They always seem boring to me, and what was the point? You know, it's like pro forma, you're just going through it. And uh, I went, I watched this last one because now I get it. It's not pro forma. It matters, and if we don't pay attention these things could be lost. So where I bring that back to connectivity is again, what else did we are we learning? And maybe the else you saw through the through the um, pandemic, and through the racial injustice that you're like, Oh, yeah, we got to put a pin in that. And not not lose sight of it when things starts speeding up or somebody told me when we have reentry. I don't know if that's the work for you. But yeah, I mean,
1: I you know, this year has been, an, you know, really shining major spotlight on inequalities and weaknesses in our democracies all over the world, you know, um, like the first people that get uh, sick in every country are are people who don't have the opportunity to work from home, you know, which is 80% of everybody who works, you know. And, um, and very often these are people in food service, health care, um, you know, delivery, the kinds of jobs that everyone else relies on to stay safe. And so in many countries, these are the poorest people, uh, people working poor families, um, informal workers, uh, gig economy, drivers, um, people that uh, work in grocery stores, low wages. So the most important people around the world to, to the world that produce the wealth and produce the forward momentum for our societies are getting the sickest and losing jobs, the fastest and being harmed, you know, with livelihoods and and poverty and like, and, and I feel like, um, you know, in the U S that takes the, uh, you know, that takes like, it takes very little to see quickly that, um, you know, people that are being hardest hit are, americans who have historically been disenfranchised by our system first and foremost the people of african descent african-american brothers and sisters fellow citizens of the united states you know uh, but also immigrants um you know we see our indigenous communities around the the country facing extreme uh difficulty in in the face of covid Uh, people that live in rural areas that are you know disenfranchised in many many ways and Um, it's like, this should be the the time that we stop and kind of say like, okay, take a deep breath. We got to fix this because you're not a democracy if like, you know, uh, two thirds of your country is vulnerable, the first side of of illness. And you're definitely not a a democracy if your systems and your, um, like your hiring systems, your government systems, your school systems, your justice system treats enormous portion of the population as lesser. And I mean, that has all happened this year. That has, uh, you know, come to the fore and and risen up as like a, for people who say they believe in democracy, you know, like we need to take these things head on, these inequalities, and we need to see the role we have ourselves played in reinforcing them and replicating them. And, you know, that's been really a, a, big thing people have been really taking on inside organizations and international NGOs this year, and obviously broader in our society. And, you know, the, the, the racism and racial injustice in particular um, that uh, is part of the, the DNA and the ethos of our country in the United States um, is, you know, one of the most like painful truths mm-hmm. that has been felt and known, of course, by you know many many people in our country, in particular, um, Black Americans, whose daily lives are impacted by this ethos of racism in our society. But it's also been the case that we, as institutions across our country, have like taken a pass on confronting what that really means, you know, what it means for democracy, what it means for inclusion. And, um, you know, I think this year led by um, this massive, the biggest mass movement in American history, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, like um, activists have put in our faces that you don't get a pass, actually, that all of us as employers, as individuals, Uh, as movement leaders, none of us get a pass. And we we never should have had one. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. right now, like, we're not gonna, you know, so I think, like, if we, you know, back to this feeling about connectivity and being connected, you know, there's a real, like, need for us to lean into each other more, Mm -hmm. to learn, uh, to learn about each other, to experience and have empathy for um, you know, patterns of abuse in our culture, in our society, and understand, you know, not have empathy for the abuse, but em- empathy for people who have been targets of of a, that kind of discrimination and abuse. And, you know, take that in. Don't, don't skirt over it. Take it in and think about it and be different. You know, we need to be different. And that's going to take work. And I think, you know, I mean, in movement spaces, that's there's a lot of work in political parties, in government, certainly in the labor movement, and definitely in international organizations.
0: It, um, I've been thinking a lot about how we attend toward comfort, being comfortable, and just listening to you talk now... I this is you have to the leaders, people that are leading have to be able to stand in discomfort. And um and know that they're labeling it as I'm uncomfortable, not this isn't the right not the right time or not the right conversation, or I'm not ready. Instead, no that it's discomfort. Um, so That might be to me because of what I'm reading and thinking about, but that's what's coming up for me.
1: You know, I got to just share like one of those feelings. Like, um, you know, I grew up as a uh, feminist. I grew up, you know, um, with a a desire to have equality for men and women. I, you know, did activism in in high school, reproductive freedoms and voice and uh, leadership and in, um, you know, all through college. And I, I studied feminist, studied anti-colonial feminism, radical feminism, black feminism, like of all kinds of different feminisms, <laughs> You know, through that entire experience, uh, I never once, you know, paused on these enormous moments that women in America, that the women's movement lost to be a part of the movement for equality. The number of times that women who look like me, you know, put actually their racial identity as white ahead of even their gender, Mm. uh, that accepted patriarchal systems that were also racist systems. um, And like the number of um, lost opportunities that, you know, the women's movement had to be a uh, multiracial inclusive, democratic movement, you know, I, I didn't pause on that. And I have paused on that a lot this year. And I find it painful, you know, but needing to, like, recognize and, and find that important to, like, take a moment, you know, to just say, yeah, there, there is, you know, there's Black liberation, feminism, there, there is all kinds of anti-colonial feminism It all exists. There's, there's always been people in our society and in our community who have fought intersectionally and fought simultaneously for women and women of color, but it's not been the majority, you know? And it's not been the mainstream women's movement that is predominantly has been white women. And like, you know, I've really paused on that this year to just say like, wow, what, well, that, that really sucks. <laughs> that we missed that opportunity uh, for decades, the, the collective vigor we, uh, you know? And, and so when we talk about movements, you know, movements that are progressive movements also are, are filled with other prejudices and discriminations that play out in our society. And we, we got to change that too because we need, a, we need a, a, an aware progressive movement. For progressive social and economic change that's really about democracy so yeah being uncomfortable you said like take a minute with the discomfort and learn from it and be different you know
0: and so how do you bring that to your own self let's bring it to you like how do you know because we're human you know how do you stand with the discomfort and say this is a place i have to go into as opposed to Whatever else your story is, your your brain's trying to tell you so you'll be okay.
1: I mean, you know, one of the leadership sort of general lessons that I've kind of learned over the years is like, um, you know, part of being courageous, which is necessary if you're a leader because you're out on a limb all the time, <laughs> Like, you know, you're, you're constantly the one like people's eyes are on or might be judging or you, that could be your fear anyway. I mean, part of it is that um, you need to learn to like really see and hear people Mm -hmm. and, and listen and have like real empathy um, and, and not make it all about you, you know? And I mean, I think that's uh, really important, you know, for me, remembering you know if I feel uncomfortable with something someone said or something I heard or something I saw you know not everything is all about me you know there there's something else going on in this conversation that if we can if we can really talk about it and understand each other uh well we're going to get to somewhere better you know, so this kind of ability to like, it's really it takes a lot of energy to like, because we're all also, as you say, human, <laughs> like we all have egos, and we all want to, people don't like to be criticized. And, you know, you feel often as a leader, like you're supposed to be right all the time, you know, you're supposed to be kind of flawless and not make mistakes. And and the truth is, like, that is not helpful right now, like, as a way to be a leader, it it's important to take stuff in, listen, and think about how you're going to um, address and, and change and that it's not a, a criticism of you as an individual. It's a it's a learning, you know, opportunity. And that's hard. I mean, it sounds so easy and almost like trite. It's not easy. <laughs> to, it's a lot to do. It takes a lot of a lot of focus, a lot of energy. And and it takes it takes some courage.
0: It and yeah. It um and self awareness. So for for um what I was thinking was about suffering, like I've noticed having difficulty myself talking about conversations about being white, white supremacy, because of the what that feels bad and, and hearing um, people of color's experience feels bad. And so I, I had to stop not skidding away because it was, it caused me, um, you know, emotional pain to hear other people's emotional pain or and so to me that's part of the uncomfortableness it's being able to go into that pain so it's you you, you've said it with different words you know listening having empathy it's not about you it's so not about you you're going to have to put up i believe with some um, emotional pain does that resonate at all it does
1: and there's been a lot
0: of emotional
1: pain this year and i i you know these people that attacked the Capitol.
0: oh my gosh yeah i
1: mean that you know brings up a lot of stuff and not just the i mean the confederate flag alone you know but um you know just seeing that happen and the danger that our lawmakers elected officials were in thinking about how a, you know a president um like his involvement in that, it's like whoa, oh my god! And then you know, um, but then the pandemic—we have four hundred thousand Americans who've lost their lives to this year. It's not even been a year, you know. And um, and then if you look around the world, the massive, massive like re-entrenchment of poverty. Um, uh, you know, we've lost so many gains on on poverty reduction that we've made in recent. Uh, decades just in this last year because of the massive loss of livelihoods. I mean, it's a lot of pain, um, and I I think like you know in the in the labor movement, um, you know sometimes like if you're if you're in a movement kind of space, it's like you know you can be really sucked into like actually only the pain, right? Because it's a lot and it's hard, and you don't win all the time. Like the battles. But on the other hand, you also have to be, you really do have to um, have a vision of the future that is better, you know, than what the past has been. And like back to the connectivity, it's like being, you know, in my organization, like being together with a group of, we're nearly 300 people that have this like common drive, common vision that can see on the other end of like what comes out of the pandemic. What does the world look like? If we do truly adopt anti-racism and, and actually center anti-racism, like if we do that and we become more democratic in all of our practice, not just internally, but in our programmatic practice, you know, um, if, if we are like focused on the core, like dream of the labor movement, which is, you know, it really is about doing the hardest thing. It's about confronting entrenched political and economic mm-hmm. power at the exact same time, not one or the other, both, <laughs> and, and pulling back some voice and democracy and economic opportunity and economic fairness for people who power does not want to have it. And that is about the hardest thing there is to do. And you only can do it if you, if you can see the beautiful world that lives on the other side of achieving achieving those goals, you know, and I think, like, centering a practice of, of, um, you know, of anti-racism in the middle of our political and economic um, fight for equality is a, is going to go a long way to help us, you know, get even further down that dream, you know, towards equality as, as a labor movement in our work around the world, and that's, like, that gives me, like, enormous hope i mean you said like how do you sit with the pain and the fear i mean part of it is it's to take it in it's to to let it hang out there understand it you know do some reading do some self-study do a a lot of listening to people that are movements of um you know people of color of, of, of black americans of young people in our country fighting for racial justice do some learning and listening and then use your position to make different decisions and be different You know, and man, that's like the kind of America I want to live in is that one that has people doing that, you know, feeling, being self-aware in that way and, and fighting for like economic and economic and political system that, that uh, creates and allows for dignity for absolutely everybody, you know, and that's what we're, we should be about, that's what we should be about as people who believe in democracy and and in our case, the labor movement.
0: That was so beautifully said. And and I could see that having that vision or the purpose is what carries you through, keeps you on task and carries you through when it's challenging and when it feels bad. Um, Shauna, I am so appreciating this time with you there's like five questions still that i wish that we had time to talk about so we might have to do a, a repeat engagement but i you're you're coming here just it seems like such the right time for me oh for, and for our audience so thank you so very much for making the time
1: well thank you so much it was it was really nice to talk to you